Well, good morning to those of you watching online, and you're going, wow, Pastor Aaron really aged. Um, no, I'm not him. He did text me this morning, and it said, no lie, he said he's doing an ice hike. It is five degrees. So I went, you know, love you, Pastor. I'm not. No, I do want to thank Pastor Aaron for uh, asking me to do this. It's an honor. Uh, I don't take it lightly. And like I have told this church before, when given the opportunity, it, even after doing this vocationally for over 20 years, it's the part where I get nervous because I have to get it right. And it's just, it's just what it is. It's just the way it is. Uh, speaking of that, I, was, I had the honor of being one of the evaluators at our sectional fine arts yesterday. Yeah. Let me tell you, I had so many of the other, we say evaluators because judges sounds too harsh, um, come up to me and say, boy, you can tell the Wrightsville kids were prepared. And I got to tell you, I was evaluating the short sermon category. I, one thing I can assure you with the kids here, they correctly handled the word of God. And that was fantastic. You know, I got misty eyed a few times. And also, an unsung hero, the person who has to coordinate all these evaluators and all the categories and make sure they run smoothly is our own Johanna Gardner, who I just realized, wow, you, people don't realize all that you were doing, Johanna. Thank you. And thank you, Pastor Chris. It's, I know you poured yourself into those kids, and I kept throwing them candy. Because there's candy on the table for the evaluators, and I don't do chocolate, so he would sit there. And I, you know. I'm not lying. I'm not lying. Well, I'm excited to share the word with you this morning. Uh, it's, a, it's a word that when Pastor Aaron, a few weeks back, had asked if I would speak, uh, I knew what I was supposed to talk about. And then there were so many things that confirmed that. And then obviously the week leading up to today, there were all these self-doubts and reasons and that I've learned over time to recognize the enemy when he's trying to discourage something. And so I pushed through that. You know, uh, speaking of cold, I was on for work. I had to do a promotional road trip that we started in Nashville and ended in Chicago by way of Iowa. It was eight degrees in Iowa, but it's in Iowa eight degrees. There's no mountains. So the wind just greets you, you know. Uh, it was a great time, though, and, and I was on with a worship team, actually, and so I was running the message by them, and we were having church in the Suburban, and it was just a grand time, so... You know, God is good, and, and I just really am very sobered by what God would have me talk about because it's, it's something that preaches to me probably more loudly than it's going to speak to you, um, but come along for the ride, if you would. You know, at some point in my walk with the Lord, I, I'm really not sure when this happened, but a question began to nag me, and I don't know if that's ever happened with you, where there's, you're just, you're journeying on with Jesus, and you got your rhythm, and you, you know what's going on, and then, and there's just this thing that God keeps drawing you back to. And, and so I, I had to look into it. You know, the Holy Spirit gets on the topic, and he just doesn't let it go. The question was this for me, and, and, for, and for others, of course, because I tend to write, you know, for why do so many people, and go, Rick, you're, you're so many people, spend time in the presence of a holy, almighty, omniscient, powerful, manifest presence of God, and how can we walk out the same? I would ask, I'd get so frustrated with myself sometimes, you know, like how can I be at an altar or in a seat? And so many things happen in the seat where God just rocks me. And then like the next day, it's like I was never there. And I never intend to do that. You know, I mean, when we meet one of our, think of your favorite celebrity ever, ever, ever. And if you get a chance to meet that person, 
uh, it's your social media story for like a long time. You know, every Thanksgiving. Did I ever tell you about the time I met, you know? And that's, that's okay, it's fun. There are people that are, of, have, you know, in the public eye and of notoriety. But this morning, we're in the presence of the Almighty God. Wow. I don't know about you. I don't want to walk out of here the same man that walked in this morning. I just don't. I really, really don't. It just blows my mind, you know? We have tears at the altar, but no fruit after the fact. And I just don't want to be that guy. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Some translations say being transformed from glory to glory. The word transformed is the Greek for transmorphed or morphed. You was as a kid grew up with the mighty morphin power rangers and said, it's morphin time. And they would morph into that. Church, it's morphin time. Okay? Every day. Little bit by little bit, being transformed into the glory of God. The word glory comes from the Greek root, meaning both to inward excellence, but also outward appearance and our actions. It's God's plan to transform us in tangible, glorious ways. And this happens a lot of different ways. One of those is when we encounter his presence. Or if it's not, if you look in the Bible, we do that. People will say, well, I can be a Christian and not go to church. Well, if you read the Bible, we kind of have a habit of gathering. You know, I was listening to a teaching by uh, a teacher, John Ortberg, and he said he went out in the South for dinner or for breakfast, and there was grits, and he goes to the Southern waitress, he goes, ma'am, what's a grit? She said, honey, they don't come by themselves. And that, but he used that to teach. That's how we are. We gather. We do this. We get fellowshipy, and I made up a word, you know? It just happens. We do that. I love it. I love being with the body of Christ because when we're not with the body of Christ and we're out with the not body of Christ, it's, it's not always very encouraging. So let's build one another up when we're together. It's kind of how it's supposed to work. You know, it's just awesome how God does that. So this sent me on a journey of prayer and study. I don't want to leave the presence of God the same as I came in. I don't want to leave the effect of the encounter in the church building. I don't want to have to tell people that there was an awesome move of the Spirit in church. I want them to know just by looking at me, by being around me. That's kind of lofty. I shared in the first service, and, you know, I kind of threw Blake Dunstan under the bus, but I'll do it again. If he's watching online, I love him. And I do. I mean, the, the Dunstans are high-quality human beings, and if you don't know them, you need, to find, you need to know them. But I show up at the gym, and Blake's there. True story. And Blake looks at me, he goes, oh, did you just start coming? <laughs> you know, uh, no, <laughs> kind of been coming for years. But if you can't tell by looking, <laughs> you know, and then he got all, you know, no, I didn't mean that. I just didn't know if you were a new member here. Then he starts, I could tell you went somewhere out, dude, you lost it, <laughs> you know, you know, but I don't want that to be in church. Oh, you're a Christian? Really? I couldn't tell. There was a bumper sticker that was out back when I got saved, back in the, the dark ages, you know, when my birth date was in Roman numerals and all those fun things. And the, it said this, if you were accused of being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? And I don't, I, I, that really grabbed me 40 years ago, and it still grabs me today. I don't want to be in the presence of God without something being different. 
I just don't. It's not a selfish thing. You got to die to get there, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But, you know, we're in the presence of the holy God. Like, think about that for a minute. And this is really, you know, it's not ego. It's just evidence. So this morning, I want to just look at some of the people in the Bible who had that kind of encounter with the Lord. And I can't go through all of them. It would be a very long series, and we would be here a very long time because there are so many examples, but just the ones that I felt the Lord would have me highlight who had these encounters with the Lord. How did it happen? Why did it happen? What happened after it happened? See, if God's the same yesterday, today, and forever, and I don't say if because he is because he says he is, and that's enough for me, then, you know, we still need to have an encounter with him. We're his people, and he moves and he changes. The more than that, we need to have it. We need to crave it. And this is another thing that convicts me. Do I crave the presence of God? Let me throw this out with craving. We don't crave something we've never tasted. Friends of mine are missionaries in Cambodia, and they talk about, oh, I learned to like this food. It's really good. And then they described it. I went, buddy, it's looking at you. <laughs> you know, Oh, no, it's good. It's fermented, and you got to get it past your nose. I'm like, I grew up in New Jersey. I can get a lot past my nose. Yes, there is. I, Maria's in the house. But I don't crave it because I never had it. If we're not craving the manifest presence of the Holy Spirit, let me challenge when's the last time you've tasted? My prayer for the church, and I told Pastor Chris and I told Pastor Aaron, you know, when I was in vocational ministry, they'd say, Pastor, what, you know, what can we do to be a blessing to the church? I went, show up and grow up. Be there. Crave the presence of God. Hunger for him. Don't check the Sunday box and move on. Go on the journey. It's fantastic. It is fantastic. The best place to start as far as encounters, let me get into those, is the first one in the Bible, and that's in Genesis chapter 1. Once again, there will be many familiar scripture references. Please do not shut your brain off when I read them. I do that. Oh, yeah, I read that. Ask God to bring something else out. It says, then God said, and this is verses 26 through 28 in Genesis 1, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish and the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Right after God created man, he spoke. He said, and God said. The encounter was the first thing that happened. And what did he tell man to do? Enjoy creation, make babies, and take care of things. I, <laughs> I'm good. You know? The first encounter was an encounter of blessing and abundance. God wants to bless us. Understand that. And I have to be careful with that because some people could take that in, in too much of an extreme. God's desire is not to punish you. That cross shows us that the punishment's been taken. His desire is to bless us. And he wants to reveal his will to us. He's not playing hide and seek. He's revealing what he knows you can handle at the moment. Because what I've learned, if God just revealed the, the ultimate end game, I'd mess that thing up big time. And as he gives us what we can handle, I've learned, even on this road trip I learned, we went from St. Louis to Des Moines. 
It's really, you don't need a steering wheel. It's fantastic. But, and we had these exits for certain things. And I'm like, we're going to get to the right destination if we just stay on the road. Elementary. You're going to get to the destination if you just stay on the road. Right? God's not playing hide and seek with his will, but he loves us too much to just give us the whole nine yards. We're not ready to receive that. We have not grown. Our character hasn't matched our calling yet. So just grow. Just keep going. Grow up and show up. <laughs> you know? Did you get that on a t-shirt? No, somebody didn't have to explain it. Anyway. I'm sure that most of us know that not all of God's interaction was wonderful. If you know the story of Adam and Eve in the garden, we know it wasn't always wonderful. But in this first encounter, we see that man was given blessing and purpose. He went from being a being to being a steward of God's masterpiece. Mankind was changed with that encounter with God. Changed with the encounter. So simple. We've read it more times than we know, those of us who have been walking with Jesus for any length of time. But to realize something as simple as God spoke, and here's what he said. Went from being a being to having all those, you know, blessing and abundance and dominion and, and all those things. This encounter gave Adam and Eve their reason for being. So much self-help stuff is out there, and I'm not knocking it at all. But we will truly find it when we encounter and commune with God. God will use those other things. Don't misunderstand me. He's first. First goes to him. Let's look at another encounter. And just so you know, I told Pastor Chris, I, we've, I'm hoping, and you're going to don't cheer too loudly. My goal is to just the sermon part to maybe end a little bit early so we can do this. Exodus 3, 1 through 6. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. The angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame out of fire in the midst of a bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it wasn't consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. And when the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, do not come near. Take, off your, take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Take a note of that. The story of Moses is very well known. Very well known. Even people that don't go to church, you know who Moses is. There have been movies made about him. Honestly, I think if, when we get to heaven, if he doesn't look even a little like Charlton Heston, we might be not upset. <laughs> Some of you may have to Google Charlton Heston. <laughs> Or find somebody that looks like they have a little more wisdom and ask them who Charlton Heston is. I realized I did that as a youth sermon one time. I was trying to communicate how sin clogs the flow of the Spirit in our life. So I said, you know, when you have a carburetor and this and that, and they're looking at me like I had to explain what a carburetor was. <laughs> I went, fuel injector. But, you know, so I have to realize that. Like, Charlton Heston, who's that? This encounter that Moses came, you understand the burning bush, we know the burning bush, the bush is burning, Moses goes to see what it is, all those things. This came after he killed an Egyptian taskmaster and fled. He spent the next 40 years tending sheep. He went from living the high life as the prince of Egypt to dealing with the smell of four-legged mutton and wool producers. Think about that. Hardships prepare us for greatness. 
But sometimes in our humanness, in my humanness, I don't see them that way. God, take this trial away from me. Well, here's what I've, here's what I've learned. You were here. You prayed to be here. I have to refine you to get there. So this trial is really an answer to your prayer, Bubba. <laughs> not saying God calls me Bubba, just in the South, you know? But it's part of that, say, that we, we grow, we learn, we mature. I used a, a gym analogy before. You want to get stronger, you got to add more to the bar every now and then, you know? I like doing those overhead presses. I said, I'm working my praise muscles. True story. And they look at me like, what? You know. Somebody said, why do you like have all these notes? Because moments like this, I go, where am I? <laughs> no. But what we need to understand with Moses' encounter, a couple of things we need to, we need to grab out of this is it was unexpected. And, 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 you know, we don't always know how to manufacture and work it up. And so many times God will want to meet us when we're not thinking about it. It was about a year after my mom had passed away back in the 80s. I understand where I grew up in New Jersey. We didn't have Christian music radio at all. And true story, I was working at a grocery store overnight. I was in the frozen food department packing out frozen peas, which for a little side note, I don't like peas. But packing out frozen peas, and if, there was a not, if it was not an audible voice, it was the next thing, where I knew God had said, I want you to go into Christian radio. Keep in mind, there really wasn't any. I didn't know what to do, and in just turns of circumstances that I would take way too much time up here explaining just how God lined everything up, I wound up finding out there's a new music station. I went to school in New York City. Found there's a new Christian music station in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. And I sent, got in touch with them, gave them my little cassette tape at Creation 85. Why is that funny, Johanna? <laughs> you know? And here we are. It was the moment of this, I know this is God. I know that I know that I know that I know. I can't quantify it for you. And then when the doors just started flopping open in front of me, you know, I didn't kick any down. I mean, it was just one of those things. Actually, Moses was drawn to his presence but wasn't sure what it was until God spoke. After he heard God's voice, we see Moses having a posture that I fear I have too few of and most many have too few of anymore. And that's, I think, why there are fewer stories of holy encounters. It says in verse 6, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. It's called reverent awe. You're God, I'm not. We try to describe God. Oh, God is like this, like that, like that. Let me tell you something. He's not like anything. (laughs) He reveals himself to the level that we can grab it. But Moses had that reverent awe. Because of Jesus, we no longer need to hide our face, but have we become callous to the wonder of it all? Do we hear people give testimonies and stories of how God moved in their life, whether protected them from something, saved them from something, you know, or in the process of grieving, revealed something about himself, and we tell them, oh, yeah, it's nice. Or are we just captivated? I'm speaking to me. Take it if it works which is captivated. Humility in his presence. Nobody's above him. We see another incident of that in Isaiah 6, 1 through 5. It said, in the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim, each had six wings. 
With two, he covered his face. With two, he covered his feet. And with two, he flew. And one called to another and said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And if you read Revelation, they're still saying it. And the foundations of the thresholds shook at the voice of him who called. And the house was filled with smoke. And he said, woe is me. For I'm lost, for I'm a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Moses and Isaiah had the posture of humility. We put these men on pedestals, and there's things they have done that we should honor their their walk and what we've learned. Don't misunderstand me. But here you see Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah. Wow. You know? I'm unclean. Wow. Reverent awe in the presence of a holy God. This kept them in the posture to be able to listen. This kept them in that posture to be able to listen. Their encounters with God changed the destiny of their lives and the lives of a nation. These humble men made plenty of mistakes. They weren't socially connected. If you read, especially with Jeremiah, known as the weeping prophet, and you read about the prophets in the Bible, we don't really read where they were invited to parties. I mean, you know how you go to a party and there's that one loose cannon that's saying stuff? And it, Can you imagine being there with a prophet of God? You know? You didn't invite him. We're not inviting Isaiah to this party. No, 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 no. You know? Not inviting Moses. You know, kind of thing. But they weren't of that social thing. They were very humble and they were... They had the task, you know, Moses' task was different than Isaiah's, but of being those men to lead a nation and to help build a nation and lead them into the, one led them out of captivity to the mountain where the presence of God was, the other leading them out of the captivity of sin in their hearts to be in the presence of God. These men of low places had an encounter with God that didn't just result in a feel-good moment, and don't get me wrong, feel-good moments aren't bad. God has made us to be emotional people, okay? I'm not knocking them, but I am knocking it if that's all it's about. You want your, you know, like I said, you get your dose of the ghost and then you're done, you know? This needs to be a change. I want to look at a couple more quick. John 1, 35 to 42. The next day, John, that's John the Baptist, was standing with two of his disciples and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, behold the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, what are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? And he said to them, come, and you'll see. So they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the 10th hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, we found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him on Make a note of that. Jesus looked at him and said, you're Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. I want to focus on Pete for a minute. His brother heard and followed that Peter was brought to Jesus for the encounter that led to the birth of the church as we know it. And I know some of you will be disappointed if you get to heaven and Peter doesn't look like the guy from the chosen. Just saying. Now, we all know Andrew. As far as we know... We only know that he led this one person to the Lord. I wonder if he ever felt like an like a outreach failure, you know? Think about it. Oh, you know, Rick, I, there's really only one person that I've really influenced for Christ to grow and to come to faith. But you have no idea. 
what God's going to do with them. Don't you dare compare yourself with anybody else. God has not given you that mantle. He's given you this one. And you can get into places they can't. That's why the Bible tells us not to compare one old competitive thing. Just exhale and be done. God, I'll follow you. What do you want me to do? Who do you want me to talk to? We don't have God's perspective. The encounters are Adam everything. Before I talk about the obvious, I want to point out something that might seem trivial, but I think it's deeper than we realize. The Greek word for looked at in verse 42 is the same Greek used in Luke twenty-two sixty-one, And it said, and the Lord turned and looked at Peter, and Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, how he had said to him before the rooster crows today, you'll deny me three times. Peter denies Christ to a servant girl, a slave girl, three times, remembers, you know, Jesus is led away from the horrible scourging that he got and gives Peter the look, the same look that called him. I don't know how you feel over time you may have disappointed Jesus, but he still gives you the look. You're his. You're his. And it said after that, Peter went and wept bitterly. And if you study that phrase, it, he didn't just have a little, you know, sob moment. It was, it was a violent bawling his eyes out. He was that broken. But then you see what he did after that. Okay? You may have said, I Pastor, I, I am a thousand steps away from God. This is how many steps back you are. Still gives you the look. Mm. Wow. He didn't just notice Peter's existence. This was meaningful. By looking at Peter this way, he reminded him of his call. This encounter was with Jesus was not a passing thing and it never should be. Sometimes we can view it that way. Had my time at the altar and then we leave and it just was something we don't crave. Just a challenge. This encounter changed Peter's identity. Peter's encounter literally changed his life. Because he had the encounter? No, because he responded to the encounter. He could have said, no, thanks, I'm happy. Fisherman in a town that I know, everybody knows me. You know, I'm good. Jesus, I'm good. I'll just chill out here. He responded. He didn't walk away from the encounter with God unfazed, but sometimes I do. And you might too. One more. Oh, and this is the Assembly of God National Anthem, so hang in there. Acts 2, 1 through 4. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven the sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. This was not expected. Now, they were promised. It wasn't unexpected because Jesus promised it in in Acts uh, 1, 4, and 5, but they knew what they didn't know how. And don't we do that? Don't we do that? Oh, come on, we're in church. It comes down to the slow song, right? There's the key change. Oh, that must be the Holy Spirit. No, they turned the bass up a little bit. We do that. We can get, I'm not knocking what, please don't hear me being critical. I'm, what I'm saying is we can easily confuse those things that we have become accustomed to. God, we're, oh God, we're praying and we are going to move. This is it. And he's doing it over here. But we don't see it over there because, God, this is, you know, moving your people. Just get us all going. Just be done by lunch. 
And God is one to do far more. I think, I think what, what happens when we leave here, what happens tomorrow, or when we come Wednesday night, what happens on Thursday needs to be affected by what happened the day before and then keep going from there. We've encountered holy. Whoa. Yeah. This encounter changed who they were and it changed the way they were viewed. They were never the same. Do our encounters with Christ change us or do they entertain us? It's a, it's a question. If they don't change us, then perhaps we're in the company of this last encounter. John 6 we read about Jesus feeding the 5,000. The crowds gathered and had their encounter. And after this, we read about Jesus walking on water, joining the 12 over in Capernaum. This resulted in the large crowd searching for him and finding him. Now, Jesus talks to them, and in verses 26 to 29, he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, you're seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you, for on him God the Father has set his seal. And they said to him, what must, be do? what must we do to be doing the works of God? And Jesus answered them, this is the work of God that you believe in him who he sent. He then goes on to give them a hard teaching about the cost of following him, and most turn away and leave. And that scripture reference of them leaving Jesus is John six sixty six. if you want to look it up. See, it's fun to follow the loaves and fishes, Jesus, right? We love a buffet. <laughs> Think about it. This is where it's all about us. But those who have an encounter with Jesus for what's in it for them usually walk away when trials come. But those who yearn for an encounter with Jesus to be changed in his presence and grow closer in their relationship with him know that the testing of faith produced perseverance. That's how it happens. That's how it happens. The worship team wants to come up, and we, we need a couple minutes to just marinate in this. See, the world is, I'm going to say something really obvious here. If you have any connection to what goes on outside of your own bubble, the world is lost and confused. We can tell by their actions. You know, lost people do lost people fit there. Our family and friends need to be around people who have been with God. What's going to affect eternity for people is not to convince them to have the encounter we see in the Bible of encountering Him. And guess what? If you're saved, His Spirit lives in you.
that doesn't mean geographically where are you. It means where, you know, when you're sitting across the table from someone and you know they're not there. You know, they're distracted and you, hey, where are you here? Where are you? Is God, is the Spirit of God moving through this room right now and saying, to do. I want us to do